No prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Carried along by the Holy Spirit? Picture the wind filling a boat's sail and carrying it along in the water. That is how the Apostle Peter experienced the divine human process involving the Holy Spirit, who inspired him and others to write according to the will of God, not man. Are you growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because Peter and others were carried along by the Holy Spirit when they wrote God's Word, you don't have to be carried along by the sway of false teachers. I'm Ron Jones, and this is something good. It's hard to spot a lie if you don't know the truth. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis, great to have you with us. Well, false teachers have tried to contaminate the Church of Jesus Christ for more than 2,000 years. And today, Ron tells us how we can recognize their deception as he continues his teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Visit somethinggoodradio.org to hear any of Ron's messages on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron in part two of his Something Good Radio message, Second Peter, Growing in Grace and Knowledge. Finally, he compares them to a dog that returns to vomit and a sow that washes herself and then returns to the mud pit. He's saying, child of God, beware and discern between truth and error because so much is at stake here. False teaching sows mistrust. It damages the reputation of the church that Jesus is building. And so to avoid the folly of false teachers and religious pirates, Let's just summarize where we've been. Peter says, you got to grow in Christian virtue and draw that moral line between them and you in the body of Christ because they lack the virtue and the moral excellence that should be characteristic of a follower of Jesus Christ. Grow in the word of God. Know what you believe and why you believe it. And then uh, finally, uh, grow in discernment, he says discern between false teaching and discern their character, discern their words. And then in chapter three, his final chapter, he wants us to, 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 to grow in, in uh, grace and knowledge, but, but specifically in prophetic understanding. In the final chapter of Peter's second epistle, he turns our attention to the day of the Lord and to the end of the age. Uh, by the way, false teachers love to delve into Bible prophecy and make sensational predictions about the second coming of Jesus Christ. An obvious way to discern when you're listening to a false teacher is anybody who predicts the day or the hour of Jesus' return. I mean, you, you would think that a false teacher isn't that stupid, but, but, but they do it all the time. Even though you can read plainly in Matthew chapter 24 in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus himself said, nobody knows the day or the hour, okay? But when you see a stark contrast like that, just turn them off, tune them out. 
All right, I, you know, but they love to delve into the sensationalism of biblical eschatology. And, and they draw people in that way. Now, the teaching of Bible prophecy is important. 25% of the book, when it was written, these 66 books, 25% of it was predictive in nature. Talked about the future. One of the ways God validates his truth is through prophecy. And he sets a standard that 100% of what he says or his representative, the prophet of God says, must come true. We know that uh, 50%, at least, of the 25% that was predictive in nature has already come true in amazing detail. Not a you know, horoscope kind of generality, but amazing detail. Giving us confidence that the remaining 50% that takes us all the way to the end of the age will also come true. All of that teaching is important for us to study. I know some pastors who will not delve into Bible prophecy, and I say, why not? That's 25% of the book. You need to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. And beware of the religious pirates who love to grab hold of something sensational and twist it for their own selfish uh, purposes. Peter urges us in chapter three and verse two, remember the predictions, he says, of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. I wonder if he had in mind not only the Old Testament prophets that he mentions there, but also the time he sat there on the Mount of Olives with Peter, James, and John, and Andrew uh, during Holy Week, and they heard Jesus talk about the end of the age. That's Matthew 24 and 25, in case you're interested in that. Then he goes on, um, beginning in verse three of chapter three, and he addresses some things related to the end of the age. Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlooked this fact, Peter says, that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. What is he talking about there? He's reviewing the early chapters of Genesis through creation and Noah's flood. But by the same word, the same word that spoke the worlds into existence, the same word of God that said, floods come, by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Peter uses the, the phrase last days in verse three. Are we living in the last days? Well, we have been since Jesus arrived. Technically, that's a time in Bible prophecy from Bethlehem to the end of the age known as the last days. Are we living in the final days of the last days? Nobody knows the day or the hour of his return, okay? And, and, and God set it up, the Father set it up that way. Why? So that we would wait and watch. So that we would always, you know, you know be doing what we're supposed to be doing as the church because his coming is imminent. Imminent means it can happen at any time. 
And that's been true for 2,000 years, which is why some say, some scoffers say, oh, you've been talking about that for 2,000 years, okay. <laughs> and those um, scoffers and their voices are growing increasingly loud even today. How does Peter respond to that? Well, he puts all the scoffing into perspective, beginning in verse eight, he says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief and then the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. To the scoffers who say, ah, oh, you've been talking about it for 2,000 years, Where, he, when's he gonna come? He says, you know, you get a, gotta get on God's timetable. The God who is from everlasting to everlasting, the God who is eternal, I know this is hard to wrap your brain around, but he never had a beginning. He will never have an end. He created us as time-bound creatures, and it just seems like a long time, these 2,000 years. But one day is as 1,000 years to the Lord, and 1,000 years is as a day, Peter says. In other words, from God's perspective, Jesus has just been gone for a couple of days. Which means we as time-bound creatures and we who have eternity in our hearts, the writer of Ecclesiastes says, that God has put eternity in our hearts. That awareness, that God awareness, and some level of awareness that time and eternity are not the same thing. We are time-bound creatures and on the linear scale, if we could put it that way, of eternity, the time on this earth is just a blip, just a blip. 70, 60, 80, 90 years that we live on this earth or the 2,000 years since Jesus is coming, from heaven's perspective, he just came home two days ago. And besides that, Peter says, every day the Lord does not come, he's showing patience, patience toward those who do not believe. Aren't you glad God didn't come the day before you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? Because you would have been lost forever, and so would I. So there are more people that he desires to come. It is the will of God, people, Peter says, that nobody should perish. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, make sure you access the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic to find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Again, that's our Something Good digital library. You'll find it at somethinggoodradio.org. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks 
on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available for pre-order. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight ebooks. To pre-order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home library. Pastor, as you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience and what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. Uh, my relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a, a bird's eye view of the major themes of each book, showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy Spirit. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament for your gift of $30 or more. Give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. The second half of today's Something Good Radio broadcast is straight ahead. Let's join Ron now as he continues his message, Second Peter, Growing in Grace and Knowledge. And this is another thing to get your, your mind wrapped around, but the God of eternity who is sovereign in all things limits his sovereignty at the point of overcoming free will. And, and so, you know, he... he he, he waits. He waits one more day. Come on, you want to give him one more day? I know, I, I want Jesus to come tomorrow. I'm tired. Tired of this old earth. It's winding down and it's hard. Life is tough. Even as a believer in Jesus Christ who have the living hope of Christ in us. I want him to come, but I know some people who still need an opportunity to come to faith in Christ, including the religious pirates, the counterfeits out there who are working hard to make sure they don't meet the, the true Christ. Maybe we need one more day, one more hour for them to come. This is, this is Peter's argument here. 
And then considering the certainty of Jesus' return, Peter draws a significant conclusion about how we must live in the meantime. He says, beginning in verse 12, since all these things are thus to be dissolved. By the way, Peter tells us that the earth will not be destroyed by flood anymore. That's the rainbow in the sky in Noah's story. God promised Noah, I will not destroy this earth by flood. But he didn't say anything about fire. And Peter tells us all of this will go up in smoke, in fire, dissolved. I've told you before, the only two things in this life that will last are the word of God and souls. Whatever else you're investing in, you're gonna die and leave it to somebody else who dies and leaves it, leaves it to somebody else who leaves it to somebody else until the end of the age and until all of this gets burned up and gives way to the new heaven and the new earth and the new holy city, Jerusalem, which takes us all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. You're gonna to have to wait for that one. But just know now, Peter says it's all gonna dissolve. He says, in light of this, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Yeah, we're back to the moral excellence, aren't we? And then a verse or two later, he says, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace and count the patience of our Lord as salvation. It's Peter's way of saying, again, the Lord, the Lord just says, hey, I know, I know church, you want me to come? One more day, one more hour, just a little bit more time. I got more people to let into my kingdom by faith in Christ. Every day the Lord does not return is an opportunity to place your faith in the real Jesus, not a counterfeit Christ. You or maybe somebody you know has been uh, deceived by a religious pirate, a counterfeit Christ. Did you know that the cults, most of, of those religious movements that are known as cults will borrow the language of Orthodox Christianity but redefine it. So for instance, in Mormonism, Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer. Oh, oh yeah, we, we, we're on the same page as Jesus, right? Yeah, you talk about Jesus, we talk about Jesus. No. In Islam, Jesus is a prophet. That's all he is, a little bit lower than Muhammad. Okay, they'll talk about Jesus too. And the real deceptive ones will take all the language of Orthodox Christianity, language that, um, you know, passerbys in church are familiar with, but then get deceived by how it's redefined and they're carried away by the piracy. So every day the Lord does not return is an opportunity to place your faith in the real Jesus, not a counterfeit. It is also a day for the church to fight against religious piracy because there's nothing funny about it, nothing cool about it. There's nothing profitable about it. In fact, it's a very dangerous thing, a serious matter, which is why Peter says the best way to combat it is to grow in Christian virtue. Are these qualities increasing in you? And is there a stark contrast between you as a child of God who's growing in moral excellence and those who are counterfeits and are not? Are you growing in the word of God? Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? Are your, your ears attuned to what is true so that when something 
false that is presented you know, triggers something in you. Are you growing in that discernment? Are you growing in your prophetic understanding about the times in which we are living in? Are you able to even watch the news channels, the 24-hour news, and, and factor in your biblical worldview with the worldview that is being presented and propagandized through the news channels on both sides today? Some people say, oh, we shouldn't get involved in politics. Politics is worldview. It's somebody's worldview being imposed on citizens. Do you have a biblical worldview through which you can filter the worldview you're watching and listening to through the 24-hour news? Enough to understand prophetically God's, God's plan here and to filter all of that. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, Second Peter, Growing in Grace and Knowledge, and Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Let's take a moment, Ron, to reflect on some of the false doctrine we see in our culture today. For example, the world says, God loves me just as I am, and he does, but that idea has gotten twisted to some degree, has it not? It absolutely has, Brian, and it's an idea that has crept its way into the church from time to time, not necessarily from the pulpit, but by way of social media and other outlets. Now, generally speaking, when those who don't know Jesus make that statement, what they're really saying is that there is no need for them to stop doing whatever it is they're doing, no reason to stop living as they please. It's more a rationalization or justification for their lifestyle choices. Uh, They're right on the face of it, Brian. God does love them just as they are. He loves all of us that way, believers and unbelievers alike. But if God's love for us meant total acceptance of our actions, if it meant that he agreed with all of our behavioral choices, Jesus would have never had to die on our behalf. God loved us so much, Brian, that he gave us a Savior. God loved us so much that he died so that we wouldn't have to. God loves us so much that he calls us to repent, and he gives us the power to repent. But the subtle lie being snuck into the statement, God loves me just as I am, diminishes or eliminates altogether the need for Christ to have paid the debt for our sin. Outside the church, it encourages people to believe that, uh, well, God loves them enough to bring them to heaven no matter what. Inside the church, that subtle lie can take the grace of God beyond biblical proportions and lead some to a lifestyle of licentious living. In many ways, God's love for us is like our love for those closest to us. If you love someone, a a child, a parent, a friend, and you see them living in a destructive manner, you don't let them continue down that road. That's not love. That's apathy. God's love for us does not mean acceptance of our behavior. It means he loved us enough to come here and die for our sin, and he loves us enough to encourage us to repent from that sin. Yes, God loves us just as we are, but he doesn't want us to stay that way anymore, any more than a loving parent wants a child to keep driving down a road that leads to self-destruction. That's Dr. Ron Jones and some final thoughts from today's message, Second Peter, Growing in Grace and Knowledge. Well, Ron, before we go, tell us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. 
Yes, Brian, tomorrow we come to the book of 1 John. Now, when you read the account of the life of Christ in the Gospels, uh, one of the things you find is that John had a closer relationship with Jesus than the rest of the disciples did. In fact, while Jesus was dying on the cross, he entrusted his own mother, Mary, to the apostle John. It's just another indication of how close John, the beloved disciple, was to Jesus. So as we go through the book of 1 John, I, I want to ask our listeners a couple of important questions. Uh, do you have a close, intimate relationship with Jesus? Are you walking in fellowship with God and with others? For the next couple of days, I want to talk to you about whether you're close to him, whether you have an intimate fellowship with Jesus, and what that fellowship should look like. That's where we're headed next time as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. All right, that's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, 1 John, Walking in Fellowship with God. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.